Welcome to the Global Missions Inc. podcast. Today's episode features Nathaniel Swan. Hebrews chapter 10 and uh, verse 5, speaking of Christ. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 5. Wherefore, when he cometh into the world, he saith, Sacrifice and offering thou wouldst not, but a body hast thou prepared me. In burnt offerings and sacrifices for sin thou hast had no pleasure. Then said I, Lo, I come, in the volume of the book it is written of me, to do thy will, O God. Above, when he said, Sacrifice and offering and burnt offering, and offering for sin thou wouldst not, neither hadst pleasure therein, which are offered by the law. Then he said, Lo, I come to do thy will, O God. He taketh away the first, that he may establish the second. We are of of the second. The Christ that came. And if you'll turn now back to Romans chapter 8. Jesus came with one purpose. And that was to do the will of God. He was God's love made manifest in the flesh. He was the habitation of God. And he was the firstborn among many brethren. God's calling for us is uh, to leave the flesh. And to walk in the spirit, the flesh, any time it talks about the flesh, it's speaking of effort, self-effort, self, the natural. And so it uh, says here in uh, verse, I'll just talk about 9, 10, and 11 in Romans chapter 8. Verse 9, but you're not in the flesh, but in the spirit, if so be that the spirit of God dwell in you. It is not just talking about the Spirit being in you. It's talking about you being a habitation of the Holy Spirit. It's talking about your every desire and your focus and your goal being to be a habitation of the Holy Spirit. But ye are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If so be that the spirit of God dwell in you. Now if any man have not the spirit of Christ, he is none of his. But if Christ be in you. The body is dead because of sin, but the spirit is life because of righteousness. We have, when we accept Jesus Christ as our Savior, we're passed from death into life. That's what Jesus said. Is passed. From death into life. It's it's done. We have eternal life. But God gave a revelation that he was going to bring forth a people 
that would just not look to the eternal life that was in the kingdom to come and the that which was to come. But a people that would look to walk in God's Holy Spirit and be a habitation of the Spirit in the here and now. That God would call forth a, a people that would be a first fruits company, that would be the brethren of Christ. That the Holy Spirit would move in and walk in here on earth. And that's what he said. That he would move in them and walk in them. He would be their God. And they would be his people. And that's mentioned several times in God's word. It says here in verse 11, But if the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead, dwell in you. He that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by his spirit that dwelleth in you. If we want to be part of that people that have set our whole being and our whole desire to be the habitation of God's spirit, God will bring that forth in us. God will uh, cause us to be that people that he dwells in and walks in. And uh, I think the start of that is uh, to understand who God is and what he's done. And I don't think personally that I really understand. We have that song that the young people have sung, Breathe on us again. Lord, we've lost the awe of you. It's having the awe of God that is uh, the beginning of knowledge. Back in Exodus 3 and 5, God spoke to Moses out of the burning bush. And Moses looked and he saw a bush burned with fire. This is Exodus 3. Exodus chapter 3 and verse 4. And when God saw that he turned aside to see, God called to him out of the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses, and he said, Here I am. And he said, Draw not nigh hither. Put off thy shoes from off thy feet, for the place wherein whereon thou standest is holy ground. Back under that dispensation, He did not just ask Moses to take the shoes off his feet. He said, you stay over there. Don't come hither. And it was for Moses' safety that he said that. That situation hasn't really changed. 
except through God's tremendous mercy and love. We who are afar off are now made nigh by the blood of Christ to enter into the holiest of all. What a, what a thing that we can enter into the holiest of all. That we can access something that these men of old looked upon, looked down through the ages and saw, but were not able to enter into. God made a tremendous investment in us, in each each of us. And as we begin to understand what God did, and begin to understand how he cares for each one of us, how he individually values us so much. And, And I don't think we really understand that. Because if we could understand how God cares for us, even in maybe our <clears throat> hearts, how we, we may not think too much of ourselves or care for ourselves, but God values us so very, very highly that he sent his only son for the whole world, but for each individual in particular. And as you come to know God, by his holy anointing, he shares with you how precious you are to him. But there is a necessity of of understanding um, how Amazing and how wonderful a thing God did when he sent Jesus. How that the God of all the universe, who created uh, such a multitude of planets and systems out there, took such care to come down to earth and care for us, as it says, while we were yet without strength and while we were yet sinners, while we were... In, as at enmity with God. He chose to show us mercy and grace and to send his own son. Now, I'd like you to turn to Zechariah 12 and 10. This is talking about the end times, about what God will do and how he will touch the inhabitants of Israel. Zechariah 12 and 10, I will pour upon the house of David and upon the inhabitants of Jerusalem the spirit of grace and supplications. And they shall look upon me whom they have pierced, and they shall mourn for him as one mourneth for his only son, and shall be in bitterness for him as one that is in bitterness for his firstborn. And in that day shall there be a great mourning in Jerusalem, as the mourning of Hadadrimnon in the valley of Megiddo.
And it's talking about the spirit of repentance, the spirit of of holy sorrow and conviction that comes upon those whom the Spirit touches to turn them back to himself. In uh, somehow I <clears throat> would hope that the Holy Spirit would move upon our hearts today and show us what a tremendous thing it was that God did. It wasn't a small thing for God to send his son. It says in the Bible that he was pleased to bruise him. He was pleased because of the salvation and the releasing of love and mercy that was to come unto us through this. But it it wasn't an easy thing for him. In Matthew chapter 27, if you have a chance, read through Matthew and at the end there and read about the, the things that were done to Christ. Uh, verse chapter 27 and, and verse 26 call, talks about what happened to Christ. But uh, this is this is was God's reaction. In verse 45, now from the sixth hour there was darkness over all the land unto the ninth hour. And about the ninth hour Jesus cried with a loud voice saying, Eli, Eli, Lamach Sabachthani, that is to say, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Some of them that stood there when they heard that said, This man calleth for Elias, and straightway one of them ran and took a sponge and filled it with vinegar and put it on a reed and gave him to drink. And the rest said, Let be, let us see whether Elias will come to save him. Jesus, when he had cried with a loud voice, yielded up the ghost And behold, the veil of the temple was rent in twain from the top to the bottom. The earth did quake, and the rocks rent, and the graves were open, and many bodies of the saints which slept arose. And there came out of the graves after his resurrection, and went into the holy city and appeared unto many. In... Amos, chapter 8, it talks about this. Amos, chapter 8, verse 7, The Lord hath sworn by the excellency of Jacob, surely I will never forget any of their works. Shall not the land tremble for this? And every one mourn that dwelleth wherein there shall rise up Holy as a flood, it shall be cast out and drowned as by the flood of Egypt. And there shall come to pass in that day, saith the Lord God, I will cause the sun to go down at noon. I will darken the earth in a clear day. I will turn your feasts into mourning and all your songs unto lamentation. I will bring up sackcloth upon all loins and baldness upon every head. I will make it 
as the morning of an only sun, and the end thereof as a bitter day. That was God mourning his only son. Sixty-five years ago, God called out a people that would walk not in theology, but in experience. He called out a people uh, to walk in the Holy Spirit and said, at this time, I will restore unto the church the nine gifts of the Spirit to be laid on, to be given by the laying on the hands of the presbytery. And it was his desire and it is his desire to have a people that will walk in those gifts and in those ministries here and now in the earth. And uh, for those brethren who we've been with as they laid hounds upon uh, young people, there was there's been tremendous prophecies and gifts gone forth over them. And uh, it's important for us to somehow uh, release ourselves to understand the greatness of what God has done in giving, not only giving his only begotten son, but giving his anointing or his spirit that we might walk in the spirit of his son. That we might set ourselves to, to be that dwelling place for God's anointing and, and to be those, that conduit of God's gifts that a people would go forth through the earth not ministering, um, doctrine, but demonstrating God's love and God's power and God's mercy and God's grace. I'd like you to turn to Isaiah chapter 26. There's a lot of these scriptures in Isaiah that start out in that day. What is that day? That day is the day that you're enlightened. That day when you understand. That day when you know. That day, our brother said, you can read uh, the scripture a hundred times. But when the scripture is touched by God's Holy Spirit, something happens. The word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. And that's talking about the living word of God that 
touches your heart by the Holy Spirit. And, and I know that, that there's people here who have had that experience that maybe uh, they've read this, this thing, as our brother said, a hundred times. And they read it again and the anointing just seems to go right in and just grab you and all of a sudden you know. And you don't know why you didn't know before, other than God's Holy Spirit made it alive. And that's what the Word of God, the living Word of God does. It, it's uh, sharper than any two-edged sword. It's piercing even to the dividing of what is soulish and what is spiritual. What is flesh and what is spirit? Dividing asunder of the soul and the spirit of the joints and marrow and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. And God is looking for a people that will release themselves to, to not live on this earth. Having their hearts uh, having allegiance to the things on this earth. But though they may live in in all the ways of this earth and all the things of this earth, the, their allegiance will be to God alone and to God's Spirit alone and to live as the temple of God's Spirit alone. Daniel was a man like that. Here's a man that served three kings, but he served the king of kings above the kings. And they knew it. And everyone knew it. And yet he was able to look down at our day and at our age. And somehow, <clears throat> may the Holy Spirit uh, touch our hearts to understand uh, what God's plan and purpose is. Uh, Isaiah chapter 26. In that day shall this song be sung in the land of Judah. We have a strong city. Salvation will God appoint for walls and bulwarks. Open ye the gates that the righteous nation which keepeth the truth may enter in. Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee because he trusteth in thee. Trust ye in the Lord Jehovah for in the Lord Jehovah is everlasting strength. I hope you'll, you'll be, the Holy Spirit will give you the grace to follow me. <laughs> and I don't jump around too much, but, you know, Jesus met a woman at the well, and she was a woman that not much of us would think much of. And I doubt that she ever thought much of herself. She was a woman who who uh, was a cast from a cast off nation, a nation despised by Israel, and they knew it. And uh, 
that's no little thing to live with. When you're living and uh, around a people and you know that you're despised by those people that are living as a nation, that the nation surrounding you despises you as a people. So this woman was from that despised nation and she didn't have a, a very good life even in that nation. But Jesus, because he was a, the embodiment of God's love, was able to look beyond that and understand the potential that was there once she was touched by the acceptance and love and mercy of God. So, she started out saying, Sir, thou hast nothing to do, draw with, and the well is deep, when he asked her if he would be given water to drink. And uh, then he started to talk to her about living water. And, and she, uh, she wanted that water. And he said, go call thy husband. And she said, I have no husband. And uh, Jesus said, well, you've had five husbands. And the one you're with now isn't your husband. And uh, he wasn't condemning her. He was just stating the facts. And she said, well, I, per- I perceive that you're a prophet. <laughs> I guess there wasn't much else she could say. <clears throat> and then she started to talk to him about uh, the differences in the way they worshipped. And uh, Jesus said... The hour comes when neither in this mountain nor at Jerusalem, when ye shall neither in this mountain or at Jerusalem worship the Father. You worship what you know. Ye worship, you know not what. We know what we worship. For salvation is of the Jews. But the hour cometh, and now is, when true worshipers shall worship the Father in spirit and truth. God is a spirit. They that worship him. Much must worship him in spirit and in truth. The Jerusalem that uh, God has called us to be, the holy city, is uh, a spiritual Jerusalem. It's it's not a place. It's it's uh, it's not a thing. It's living. It's it's an action. The Jews had Jerusalem, a physical Jerusalem. A Jerusalem that uh, they claimed ownership of. We're, we're on the holy hill. We own this hill. We're, we're God's people. We are, we have, 
And yet they weren't. They weren't what God had called them to be. And when someone came from God and told them what they should be and what they should be doing, they crucified them. They crucified the love of God. And uh, you know they they were outraged when this Jesus showed up claiming to be the Messiah. Who ever heard of a Messiah that would hang around all those decrepit people, sinning people, and would claim to come from God, no army. The Messiah was supposed to come in glory and power and destroy all the enemy. And that says that in the Bible, doesn't it? It says that. He's going to come with 10,000 of his saints in the New Testament, too. But God's ways are, are not our ways. God is calling us to be a holy city, a new Jerusalem in action. To be a people that go through the earth, manifesting our gifts in our spirit, the gifts of the spirit that he's given, and manifesting that grace and mercy that he gave through Christ to those that were not worthy, not walking as they should, not holy, but sinners. And Jesus said again and again, I, when they talked to him about the law, he said, go and learn what this means. I will have mercy and not sacrifice. What is the sacrifices of God, as we heard? A broken heart, broken and a contrite heart, a heart that looks to be the dwelling place of God's Holy Spirit, that spirit of mercy, that spirit of grace, that spirit of love. God is able, by his Holy Spirit, to show you how much he loves you so that no matter what you think of yourself, no matter what you think of of anybody else, no matter what you think of what's happening in the earth and what's happening around you, it won't matter. Because you'll be, be, be consumed by God's love. Verse 4, trust ye in the Lord forever, for in the Lord Jehovah is everlasting strength. For he bringeth down them that dwell on high, the lofty city. He layeth it low, he layeth it low even to the ground. He bringeth it even to the dust. The foot shall tread it down, even the feet of the poor and the steps of the needy. The... Uh, Those that, that were in leadership in Jerusalem had the opportunity to follow Jesus. It, said, it says in, in the Bible that many of them did believe. 
but because they didn't want to lose their place, they wouldn't confess him. They had the opportunity. We have a tremendous opportunity to be what God wants us to be. God is reaching out to us right now that somehow we would understand that there's something that goes beyond this natural plane we're living on. That as the word says in Romans, if we will look at that and... uh, Understand God's calling for each one of us and the anointing that he's put on each of us that we'll let go of any concern about this life and the things and the situations we're in and whatever has happened to us and uh, embrace God's calling for each of us. I'd like you to turn to Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy chapter 8. Uh, verse 7. I'll, I'll start here in verse 7, then I'll go back. Uh, For the Lord thy God bringeth thee into a good land, a land of brooks of water, fountains and depths that spring out of the valleys and hills, a land of wheat and barley and vines and fig trees and pomegranates, a land of oil and olive and honey, a land wherein thou shalt eat bread without scarceness, thou shalt not lack anything in it, a land whose stones are iron and out of whose hills thou may dig brass. And when thou hast eaten and art full, then thou shalt bless the Lord thy God For the good land which he hath given thee, beware that thou forget not the Lord thy God in not keeping his commandments and his judgments and his statutes which I command thee this day, lest when thou hast eaten and art full and hast built goodly houses and dwelt therein, and when thy herds and flocks multiply and thy silver and gold is multiplied, and all that thou hast is multiplied, then thy heart be lifted up and thou forget the Lord thy God which brought thee forth out of the land of Egypt, from the house of bondage, who led thee through that great and terrible wilderness wherein were fiery serpents and scorpions and drought and where there was no water, who brought thee forth water out of the rock of flint, who fed thee in the wilderness which met with manna which thy fathers knew not, that he might humble thee and that he might prove thee to do thee good at the latter end. And thou say in thine heart, my power and the might of my hand hath gotten me this wealth. But thou shalt remember the Lord thy God, for it is he that giveth thee power to get wealth, that he may establish his covenant, which he swear unto thy fathers, as it is this day. We see throughout the earth there's tremendous focus on material things and on the strength of man to accomplish and on the ability of man to be the best he can be 
and on a focus on uh, being positive. But God is calling a people who will walk away from everything that Egypt has to offer, will walk away from everything that uh, appears to be and will walk into the wilderness and learn not to live by bread, but to live by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. To live in that place where the living Holy Spirit can be every opinion and every thing that we do and say. God's anointing is here today to do that. He's been with us. That door has always been open. But as it says in Hebrews, you can't go through the door. You can't go through the veil in your flesh. You have to leave it behind. Whether that's a positive flesh or a negative flesh, you can't go through the veil if you think you're something, but you can't go through the veil if you think you're nothing. Because you aren't what you think you are. You are what God says you are. And God has said that you are precious in his sight. He has said that he will do exceedingly abundantly above what you can ask or think. That no weapon that is formed against you shall prosper. He has said, as we heard already, that the gates of hell shall not prevail against the church. And what that means is, uh, as a church begins to walk in its ministry, in its, in its gifts and ministries, that the church will assail the gates of hell and set the captives free. Gates don't move. Gates are defensive. And the time will come as people will release themselves God's people will release themselves to his Holy Spirit that not only will the enemy not be active in the church, but the enemy will have retreated to behind the gates of hell and the church will be assailing that. And that's what God is looking for. But the beginning of that is to understand What a great sacrifice has been made. If if Jesus said, Won't to Bethsaida, for it'll be easier for Sodom and Gomorrah in Judgment Day than Bethsaida, what about this generation? Who have received, this was before the giving of the Holy Spirit, Oh, the treasures that God has given by his Holy Spirit to this people. 
the blessings that God has poured out. And natural blessings. You know, my generation doesn't remember, but in 1948, here was a group of people who had nothing. But they didn't want anything other than God. And they got down on their knees because the anointing wasn't moving and they fasted and they prayed some for 40 days. And called upon God to move and he did. And he spoke to them about his calling for them. And yet at the same time as he moved in their midst, he, he gave them jobs and wealth and prospered them. But his desire and God's desire now is to have a people that will launch forth in the Holy Spirit. It's a sad thing uh, when our young people look to see what's going on in other churches and want to go on missions that other churches are going on. And, and that's, that's here. There's nothing wrong with their desire. That's a tremendous desire. But why should there be that desire? Because we should be going forth. Jesus said, in Matthew chapter 5, You are the salt of the earth. The salt has lost its savor. Wherewith shall it be salted? It is thenceforth good for nothing but to be cast out and trodden under the foot of men. You are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. A spiritual Jerusalem. God set up a spiritual Jerusalem to be a light and for you to be a light in your community. And he didn't ask you to do it in the flesh. He gave you gifts of the Spirit. That you might be a light in your community. That you might bring life in your community. That you might bring understanding in your community. That you wouldn't just sit and say, we are. And we have. But that you would be, be, be a light, be a force. That your gifts of the Spirit would function in your, in every day of your life, every part of your life. God's desire is that when you would look for these gifts to be manifest in your life, in your every day, and it doesn't matter what you are, what your abilities are, what you think you are. You're anointed. You're just like the woman at the well. 
It doesn't matter that her life was terrible. Her reputation was terrible. All of a sudden, she was touched by the Master, by the Holy Spirit. And she had a new reputation. And she went out as a missionary to the people in the city and spoke to them about the Master, about the Messiah. And they all came forth. God has the ability to send you forth in your community, to send you forth wherever he wants you to go. As you set yourself to be the habitation of the Spirit, as you set yourself forth and desire that the Holy Spirit would be upon you, the Spirit that raised up Jesus from the dead, When Jesus said, I will give you life and life more abundantly, he wasn't talking about length of days. He was talking about a quality of life that comes by the power of the Holy Spirit that would cause you to wake up in the morning rejoicing because of the anointing that was in your life. And it's still there. It's there right now. It's there right now. And God's there. His hand's stretched out right now. But he's not forcing anything. He's looking for a people that will just walk away from this world. As our brother said, it will just take everything God has given and hold it out to him and say, just take what you want. And if you leave it with me and bless it, I'll use it for you. And I'll use it for your work. That's the calling of the New Testament. He called forth a people that weren't going to give 10%. But they were going to keep what they needed to exist on, and all the rest was for God. And so they gave everything they had. They had everything in common. It wasn't talking about about a, a cult living in a commune. It was talking about an attitude. I don't need this. I don't have to worry about my retirement. It doesn't say anything in the Bible about the people of the Lord retiring. Does it? They got out there. And they were ministering in the temple every day. Well, you think it was just the young people that went to the temple every day? I think anybody that could get there any way they could was out there. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and in breaking of bread and Prayers and fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done by the apostles, and all that believed were together and had all things in common and sold their possessions and goods and parted them to all men as every man had need. And they continued daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house and did eat their meat with gladness and singleness of heart. Singleness. What was the singleness of their heart? They had one focus. It was the kingdom of God. They were in a new age. They were filled with God's spirit. 
They were the new Jerusalem. And they were going to live it. They were going to be it. Because that's what the new Jerusalem is. It isn't a place. It's who you are. You don't own it, you be it. It's God's kingdom. God owns it. They're God's gifts. He owns the gifts. You're a steward. You're a conduit. That's what you've been called for. I I went down to the islands to minister a couple years ago. And I was an embarrassment to myself. And I, I probably was an embarrassment to them too. I, pro- I apologize for my behavior to the church in Antigua and to the brethren. Some of them are here today and they forgave me. Thankfully, it was very nice of them to forgive me. <clears throat> you know, it wasn't horrible what I did, but it was ignorant, you know. So. <laughs> A bad behavior <clears throat> comes from fear. You know that's true? A lot of our bad behavior, a lot of the things that we do that we regret or that we shouldn't do come from fear. And God hasn't given us a spirit of fear. And God hasn't given us any right to the outcome. You know, sometimes the, the brethren ask for my opinion of something as a, as a traveling deacon. And I give them my opinion. And, and my responsibility stops there. What they do with my opinion is none of my business. If they call me to minister or to do something, the results of that are none of my business. God has given me and put me in somewhere to, to do something And the results of that are none of my business. Because it's God's work. And it's God's kingdom. And it's God's gifts. And as the Bible says, what do you have that you haven't received, Paul said. And if you've received it, why are you behaving as though you didn't receive it? And these people of the New Testament... They believed and had everything together and sold their possessions and they were communing daily and continuing in one accord and in the temple. Why were they going to the temple to tell people about a new way? That they didn't have to be stuck in the old way. There was a new and living way. And they praised God. And it said they were having favor with all the people and the Lord added to the church. Such daily, such as should be saved. The Lord took care of what happened. God has called us just to do, just to be. And he'll take care of it. He'll take care of our daily needs, he says. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things will be added unto you. Get your focus off your retirement. And get moving in the spirit. God stands with every one of us. 
to cause us to rise up in the spirit and be a living church of God. To be the new Jerusalem. To go forth unto the ends of the earth proclaiming the gospel of Christ. And maybe that'll just be in your community. You should be a light in your community. You should be a resource in your community. People should know that when they have a need, they can come and you'll pray with them and something will happen. Not because you're somebody, because there's an anointing on you. And there is an anointing on you. But if you're not using the anointing, it's still there. You are the temple of the Holy Ghost. But God wants you to dedicate yourself to be the temple of the Holy Ghost so that he can release himself in you and release his Holy Spirit in you. Let's just pray. Heavenly Father, we... uh, We are so thankful for all of what you've done. Lord, we think of of Adam in the beginning and uh, how he was able to call all the animals by name, what love he had for the creation you had uh, placed him over, but greater love he had for his wife Eve, that he wouldn't be separated from her. He was the first Adam. In him all died, but in the second Adam, Adam, all were made alive, and Adam with the same love, the same concern, the same mercy and grace who just gave everything he had. As he was alive, he poured out everything he had. He would go to you in prayer in the mountain to be filled, to to refresh himself, to talk to you. And then he'd come again and pour himself out. And yet he was taken and tormented and tortured and purposefully brutalized. So that those who were supposed to be your church could show that he could not possibly be the Messiah. But he was the Messiah. And by his stripes we were healed. And he was bruised for our iniquity. And the chastisement of his peace was upon us. And he took us by death into life. Father, somehow, as was said already, with all the voices that are speaking to us, with all the things that are around us to capture our hearts, may you, by your Holy Spirit, renew our vision of what you've called us to be. May you capture our hearts May you cause us, Lord, to somehow 
be a burning flame of desire to be your dwelling place that you've called us to be. That somehow we will burn so brightly that we can be that light set on a hill. Not on a natural hill, but on the hill of the Lord, the mountain of the Lord's house. Father, for those that are in struggle, we know that there are are those today in our midst that are struggling with with work and and with illness. And and, uh, Lord, even though we have eternal life, we look uh, for the deliverance and the blessing and the strength to live in this life too. But may we focus on you, Lord. As we give ourselves wholly to you, may even that spirit that raised up Christ from the dead quicken these mortal bodies, quicken our understanding, quicken our minds, that that natural mind um, might be dulled and that, Lord, we will take on that mind of Christ that is available to us. Bless each one today. As we go to our rooms, Lord, may you enlighten us in ways that we've not been enlightened before. May you answer that prayer of Paul that we might understand not just the hope of our calling, but the great grace that has been shined upon us through Jesus Christ. May we come forth tomorrow in awe of what God has done for us and what he is doing for us and what he stands to do for us each and every day. Lord, those that especially have uh, come through trial and and, uh, tribulation and maybe are suffering from addiction and struggles and, and troubles in their mind, Lord, may you somehow reach down by your Holy Spirit that they might see how valuable you are to them. How, Lord, you have destined them to victory through Jesus Christ. That they are more than conquerors, Lord. May that shine in their hearts and their mind, we pray. Bless each one, we pray tonight in Jesus' name. Amen. If you would like more information about the moving of God's Spirit or resources for your spiritual life, please visit our website at www.globalmissionsinc.org.